what you hear about, you think about, you think about, you talk about, you talk about, you bring about. Life is happening for us, it's not happening to us. We get lessons through life that give us wisdom, insight, and an advantage for our future. Welcome to season five of the Making a Marketer podcast with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Now Marketing Group and Xstand. This show is for all levels of experience talking marketing and business with the best guests in the industry. It's important to keep up on the latest trends and topics, and this is just the spot to guarantee you will learn and laugh. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 90 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I am Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing, and my lovely co-host is Miss Jen Cole. Hello, Jen. Hello there, Megan. How are you doing today? I'm really good. I am coming down off my birthday high. I had Angus as our guest today. I'll introduce him in a second. I had a huge birthday last week and everyone's still commenting on the pictures I uploaded. And it's just like, everyone's kind of reliving it, keep looking at the pictures. And it was just really like everything I wanted it to be. So super excited. All the friends and family that came into town and that hung out, we rented a beach house and all that. It was amazing. Nice. It looked amazing. Oh my gosh, the pictures are gorgeous and so much fun. So much fun. Yeah, and it inspired our last episode, which Jen, I didn't tell you I was going to do, but episode 89 is just me talking for 12 minutes about some lessons from that week that um, we can apply to business and life. So if you haven't listened to that yet, it's only 12 minutes. So give that a listen. All right. So our guest today, without further ado, I'm so excited to have him on. I have been admiring him. I've listened to him plenty of times on Clubhouse and got to see him in person for the first time at Social Media Week Lima last month, Mr. Angus Nelson. Hello. Hello. It's so great to be here. The crowd goes wild. (laughs) (laughs) Your talk really touched me. And uh, it's funny though, because I I was like, I'm going to say that. And he's going to say, well, what was the most, what did you get out of it? Or what have you executed on anything that I said? And to that, I'm going to say, I remember how it made me feel. And I remember that it motivated me to move forward. And so Thank you for that. My pleasure. Yeah. So your one takeaway is just visualize that next higher self, right? You know, we are our marketing. And the more powerful we see ourselves, the more powerful our message becomes. Confidence is contagious. Absolutely. How's that for jumping in the deep end right away, girls? I love it. I love it. Okay. So I'm going to read his bio real quick. Um, As you see, he's obviously a great person to have as an executive, a men's executive coach, one of America's top performance strategists and founder of Evolve Men Coaching. He helps ambitious men find fulfillment for a life of meaning and purpose. His past clients include members from Fortune 50 brands to celebrity personalities, while also speaking at headquarters for America's top brands, such as Walmart, Coca-Cola, BMW, Disney, Whole Foods, and Adobe. Angus is married with three children and lives in Nashville, Tennessee with their two bougie dogs. I love it. (laughs) What makes them bougie? You know, we used to call them mutts, you know, these crossbreds. And now we like make them all these boutique whatever. So we have (laughs) a Labradoodle who is just goofy as all get out. He's, He's lovable, but he's not the most intelligent creature on the face of the planet. And then you have this other creature who is supposed to be a golden doodle. He is cute as hell. He's extremely smart, makes the other one look like a doofus, but he's far more golden than he is doodle. And he got like none of the doodle. So there's no curls and he sheds. So I feel like somewhere in the womb, like something got left behind, you know, like the the poodle was like tapped to the side and went to the brothers and sisters and poor <laughs> Finn just was left with the golden, which is all right. Because like I said, he is adorable and he's spoiled rotten. So they're bougie. Right. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> all of the, none of the doodle. And I could pick, I just pictured it like, Goofy, you know, Goldens are pretty goofy. So that's awesome. Angus is a great singer, as are his children. We had karaoke at Social Media Week Lima and they put on a great show. So you just missed it. My daughter was next door singing, actually. She's uh, writing her first song. She's pretty excited about it. So she and her ukulele were right putting some chords together and she's trying to write her first song. She's pretty ecstatic. That's amazing. I love it. All right, let's get started. Jen, you want to kick us off? 
You bet. Let's go. So why don't we just jump right on into it? Today's topic is about asking the right questions. So Angus, why is asking the right questions important? And what are some of the top benefits of coming into something with a curious mindset? Well, I'll tell you two parts. One is if you always ask the wrong questions, you're always going to get the wrong answers. Yeah. And so we come into situations, whether it be in our marketing, our analytics, if it's in our business, if it's our personnel, we typically will respond to something's very surface level and we'll end up asking the wrong questions. And then if it's something personal, you know, we all together do the same thing, kind of like we just, you know, started. It was like looking at yourself in this different state allows you to show up in a different state. And so asking the wrong questions is always going to be a troublesome spot for anyone. And so like this one question, you know, that, that I always come back to is, you know, why is this happening to me? So this is on this personal level, right? We say, ah, we shake our hands to the fist as if the gods are, you know, bringing down just the most worst experience. And yet that's the wrong question. You know, a better question might be, what is this teaching me? You know, if we understand that. that Life is preparing us for what life is preparing for us. You know, that we go to this place where we understand that we get lessons through life that give us wisdom, insight, and an advantage for our future. And so therefore, life is happening for us. It's not happening to us. So that's a really deep contextual question just to kind of get us started. I love that. Life is a lot of lessons. We learn a lot as we go. It's like one of my very favorite, very old country songs, Life's a Dance. You learn as you go. Mm -hmm. And it's always been one of my favorite. To remember I, there's at least three quotables out of what he just said already oh and gosh, we haven't right? even barely started <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so true. i haven't done it yet this season but we um, like to as an intro to the show play a couple of quotes from the guests to make sure people know how awesome it is right. <laughs> okay so let's talk a little bit about communication with clients so good yeah. communication is crucial when you start to work with a new client, right? So what would you say is a great question that we should ask upfront to make sure that there's alignment at the beginning of that business relationship? So uh, I would go first to what Jen was asking before was leading with curiosity. You know, shoot, man, we're in love with our products. We're in love with our services and we think we know them so well. And we actually become a bit of a narcissist because we don't understand that the client or the prospect doesn't see through the same lens that we do. And so we actually alienate our prospects when we come trying to toot our horn and lead with all of our benefits and lead with all the things that we're doing without first understanding like, hey, what's your challenges right now? What are you struggling with? You know, what, what, what have been some of the things you've been banging your head against over the last several months? What are problems you need to get fixed like stat? Because what we find is the value of a company is in the value that they bring. And if you start with what you think you have, you're not starting with value. You're, you're starting with arrogance. When you go in this place of curiosity and, and uncover what that prospect is wrestling with, then you're coming with an opportunity to solve a problem. And people love to pay money to have their problems go away. And solving rather than selling is always the best approach to opening up any conversation. And that brings us to the second piece is the selling should be a, a second, third, fourth call away. We try and jump into bed way too early with our prospects and we don't cultivate a relationship and rapport, the ability to build like, know, and trust. And so coming in with curiosity makes people like you said, you heard me speak and you don't exactly remember all the things I said, but you remember the way you felt, right? We know that popular phrase. People don't remember how much you know they remember how you made you, or they'll never remember what you say, but they'll always remember the way you made them feel. And it's the same way is making that prospect feel like they're the number one person in the room, the number one person in your attention and the number one purpose or person in your focus. And the more that we can keep that at the forefront and that we are here to create an experience and to solve a problem, the better off we're going to be. We're going to build alliances. I love that. Yeah. So yeah, I think entrepreneurs struggle a little bit in the beginning stages with not giving too much away, right? Because we're like, oh, we want to hold, I know I can help them. I want to hold it close to the best to make sure I get the business, make sure I get paid for it. And then on the other side, once you have the business, 
I think that some clients forget that there's still a discoverability stage that that should happen because they're to make sure there's alignment between what they think, who they think their customers are, what they think their things are, and what you think, right? So that you can give them the best sort of results. So that's awesome. Well, you know, just like you said, the discoverability, like, yes, that's part of the process. And I would rather lead with that, period. Like make the whole initial parts of conversation all discovery. And again, now we're in curiosity. Here's the secret. People love to talk about themselves, right? No doubt, yeah. And the <laughs> irony is when they talk about themselves, they think you're amazing. We had a great conversation and they just talked about themselves. And so when you're in a conversation, if you're coming in as the salesperson, especially as an entrepreneur, let, gosh, small, medium-sized business like cash is king. And maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're, you know, you're getting a little, you know, you're looking at the numbers and this month you're trying to make payroll either for yourself or your team. Like it can feel like I've got to make the sale right now. And the level of self-control to not go in for the jugular when you're in that kind of state is critical to your success. And furthermore, this goes back to what we were saying before when we first started is as you see yourself, you attract the kinds of clientele that you are. And if you're coming from a place of lack, a place of neediness, a place of desperation, you're going to have some really high maintenance clients because they're going to come to you the same way. They want to get everything out of you. They're going to maximize your hours. They're going to be highly demanding, highly picky, and just a flat out pain in the ass. And so it's even more important, right? Yeah. I never thought about it that way. You're manifesting the kind of client that you bring in if you you act that way. We attract what we are. Yeah. If you're looking for dating relationships, people are like, I just need to find the one, someone to complete me. Well, I'll say, well, that's bullshit. Why don't you just go be someone that's attractable? Like you, you be magnetic, you be yeah. magnificent. Because what happens is you elevate yourself to become the kind of person that you know someone would love to spend time with, someone that would love to spend the rest of their life with. You're going to attract somebody who values you on that same level. But if you're yeah. desperate and now you're thumbing it on your your phone, left, 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 right. I don't even know which one's which, but you're just on the dating apps. <laughs> yeah. Like your level of desperation is attracting the barflies. Like yeah. in the same way that you would see that in, you know, that context, the same way you are in business. And this is what people don't understand. I don't care if you're a fortune, whatever, or if you're down as, you know, a startup, just trying to scratch 150 K together for an annual, you know, revenue stream. Like you have to understand that you dictate the ceilings of your business simply by how you see you, because how you see you then becomes how you see your business. And that helps you to elevate and assert yourself on a certain level. And if you see yourself from lack and desperation and from this poverty mindset, then you're going to show your business to be kind of the same. You're going to speak of your business in that same frequency, in that same energy. And then you're going to attract people who see you at that low level. And now you're in for headaches. Whereas if you see yourself as a gift and see yourself as powerful and see yourself as like full of abundance and overflow, and you do the work to develop your personal, like emotional intelligence and self-awareness and getting that place of personal power Now, when you walk in a room, you've got nothing to gain, nothing to prove and nothing to lose because you're not desperate for anyone else's validation or anyone else's support. You stand strong in who you are. And now the irony is people want to be around you. We get it all back to front. We think we want to, I just want people to like me. Why won't people like me? Just engage with my content. Like if you have some shit to share, people are going to want to see it. Like we get in our own way all the time. And it, our marketing is a reflection of our perception of self. Wow, I, I love that so much. I, like we Jen always, and I are sitting, sitting here, like uh, that. Mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt it, you, Jen. <laughs> so it's fine. Like I had. Oh, I've had so many thoughts, but yeah, just you are who you're surround. You know, you are who you surround yourself with. But you're also like nobody can love you until you love yourself. And yeah, I know I'm talking in a lot of quotes right now, but that's like everything that I'm thinking. And it's everything that I've always, you know, kind of been mindful of 
I've grown and developed relationships with friends, with family members, with business colleagues. It goes into every aspect of your life, really, when you think about it. It's something that you need to be mindful when you're out networking, when you're out interacting with other people in professional scenes and in in social scenes, because you are, you know, the people that you attract, basically. And it's just so meaningful. And I think that that could really be life-changing for a lot of people to start, you know, flipping that switch and manifesting positive and curiosity and confidence instead of woe is me all the time and why can't ever why can't this great stuff ever happen to me I never win you know those kind of mindsets and I tell my children this I'm like you get what you put out there and I think Angus that that's a lot of what you're saying to me right now as well yeah I mean think about like people love to be around happy people yeah notice that yeah if if you do this work and you're just happy then people like dang how I like hanging out with that dude. I, that girl, that chick, she's awesome. Like, I just want to be around happy people, right? So A, be that person. And I don't know where we at. C, I forgot where I was at. <laughs> whatever the next one is. Two. Two. You'll attract. Okay, two, whatever, you know. <laughs> I just had a flashback to Home Alone. Um, so this, the, the whole aspect is you're going to attract like, right? Like attracts like. And so, again, if we elevate and let's get a little bit deeper here is like your identity is everything. How you see you is how you experience the world, because what you do is you give permission to the universe to treat you the same way as you treat you. And our psychologically, our brain is always seeking equilibrium. It wants to validate that belief system about yourself. And so if you're thinking really crappy about yourself, you're trying to go out into the dating world, the people you attract might seem like they're the same person over and over again, just with a different face, because you're attracting your favorite pain. On some level, you think you deserve to be treated a certain way. Whereas if we elevate that sense of self, elevate, you know, your perception with, you know, and and this is, I don't mean to be get too deep in the weeds, but what you hear about, you think about, you think about, you talk about, you talk about, you bring about, right? And you guys, you heard me speak and I, I shared that. This essence of understanding what you're listening to, the voices of your past, the voices of your peers, the things that have happened and transpired in your life, the music you listen to, the movies you watch. I mean, not to be a prude, but understand that if you put crap in, it's like data going into a computer. Crap in, crap out. (laughs) You know, if you start watching a lot of porn, don't be surprised when you're feeling a little randy. Like that's just a natural byproduct. And then you're going to go seek something that's not going to serve you, right? If you are putting this junk in that makes you feel small, makes you feel, you know, less than, then you will go and try to attract that same thing because that's how you will believe about you. Wow. And you'll perpetuate your pain over and over again. But if you start doing the work and you build up yourself, your brain goes into equilibrium mode, wants to validate that belief. And now it will elevate the caliber of relationships and opportunities and experiences you have in your life. And now bring that into the business world. As a leader, you become a contagion for your team. And the team is limited by its leader. And if the leader isn't doing the work, the entire team suffers. Yes. Like that's, you know, HR, that's sales, that's marketing, that's revenue all wrapped up in one. It does trickle down and it trickles down really easily and really quickly a lot of the times. So Ingus, do you have certain go-to questions that you like to use when you're getting to know um, your own clients? Like, why do you feel, and why do you feel like these questions are so helpful? Okay. So this is both a networking question and a sales question. What do you love? We (laughs) go in and say, so what do you do? Right. We talk about all the things that people do, because for whatever reason, we put some kind of a value on our performance. Mm -hmm. We all do. Mm -hmm. That's not nearly as sticky and intriguing as what do you love? First of all, it catches them off guard. I'm sorry, what? What do you love? Like your sports, your teams, like, oh, I love the 49ers. I'm like, well, God bless you. (laughs) <laughs> right. Right. And, and and if I know anything about sports, because I'm in fantasy football, and I was like, man, your running back situation is a mess right now. I'm so sorry you guys are suffering. Like, like, and suddenly we have something to talk about because now I am being able to talk about something you love. Oh. And now your value on me and our relationship just elevated because I'm talking about something you care about. So and when you, you planted those- seeds for a relationship instead of a transaction, right? Exactly. Love that. Like there is a subtlety to that. So now when you look in a sales conversation, it's like, so what do you love? And they're like, well, do you mean business or personal? I'm like, I don't care. What do you love? Leave it wide open. Because whatever follows after that 
is something that you can truly connect with them on because it's something they care about. That is amazing. Right? When people feel like you care about what they care about, there's a a, a different kind of relationship suddenly started on the right path. Go ahead. I know better than to talk over a lady. So I'm I'm not going to, if you want to jump in, (laughs) come on. The, The essence of being that curious and that intentional opens a door for that person to kind of reciprocate the same kind of intrigue because now they're like, you're different. And that's something on, again, the subconscious level that becomes magnetic. And again, if I'm not going for the sale, but rather I'm going for the solve, when people hear that you can solve the problem, they're less interested in the price because everything you did prior to that was positioning. You're positioning the fact that you're a value add kind of engagement. Like you care about them and you're going to bring value. Second of all, like no one trust. Like I believe that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. And then the third piece is convincing them that you can do it for them. Because here's the three pieces. A, do I trust you, your business, your services, whatever. B, can your business deliver on what you promise in your product or service? And then C, can you do it for me? This last piece, that's the, that's the one that most people trip over is because you'd go into that diatribe of like, well, first we did this and then we did this and then step 49, we did this and we're totally going to take care of all your problems. By then they're like, you know, I, I, you lost me. I don't yeah. know what we're talking about anymore. Whereas if you're in that solve state, subconsciously, they're already programmed themselves on a neuro-linguistic kind of path. You can do it for me. They start to borrow your confidence They borrow that level of interest and intrigue. And then they say, huh, I bet you could do this for me too. This stuff is subtle, but it's wicked powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, I started, there was a time period. I haven't, I haven't been in person very much with people I don't know, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) I would ask, what's your jam? Like, instead of saying, what do you do? But I I like, what do you love? That's, that's good too. But, but I did have like the first time I asked somebody, what's your jam? And part of it was because I felt like that would be good with her. And she was like, Oh, I like that. And then it it set the tone for like this very cool dynamic between us. So I do like the idea of asking. I've always kind of felt like, what do you do is like a really just such an easy way to be lazy about, Mm -hmm. you know, getting to know about somebody. So it's also, I know I am so tired of people asking me what I do. Like I, cause I literally say the exact same thing every single time. And, you know, I'm tired of being asked that question. I love what I do. I do love it. But gosh, when people ask me what I love, that's exciting that I want to dive right in. I love that. That's so disarming and it's genuine and it's not, it doesn't feel as much like small talk. It feels, yeah, I, and I love that. Go ahead. What were we going to say? No, I was just going to say that. I love that feeling. You know, there's another piece too, like. When someone asks you, you know, so what does your company do? What do you do? The more concise you can make that mm-hmm. and succinct, like the more powerful you become. Like I do X for Y so they can Z. Like suddenly oh, that conversation too. becomes really powerful because you know what happens. They say, so what do you do? And you're like, well, I, I do this and I kind of do this and I also do this. And mm-hmm. well, I used to do that. And it's like, yep. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you do anymore. And then, and then Angus says, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. (laughs) (laughs) Sporty spice. You, you may or may not have said that to me in our first conversation on Clubhouse, which is my first Clubhouse. (laughs) So yeah, I love that. Well, let's talk a little bit more about leadership. You mentioned it. I'd like to know, we've talked a lot about sales and getting business and as an entrepreneur, but for people who manage people, is there an exercise maybe that they could go through? Like maybe they're having, maybe they're struggling with their team or something. Like, is there some an exercise they can go through to make sure that they're asking the right questions of their colleagues and teammates? Yeah, so that's a, a really like open question to really complex issues, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think where I would start has less to do with what's that first question versus what's that first posture. In other words, when you walk into a room and you're coming to like fix things, like it feels like a different kind of authority when you're working with a team. There is a level or energy that shuts people down because they don't feel safe in that moment. And so posture is a really important piece when you're coming to fix problems. 
So yes, you can ask the right questions, but do it with the wrong posture and you don't get further ahead. And so it's th- in that respect, it's kind of a combination of the two. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So, so now instead of you like, I'm coming in to kick ass, take names, we're going to fix this. Like, no, instead you kind of come down and you physically like sit down in front of them. And there are certain techniques where you can't see it if you're listening, but where you can like hold your shoulders in a different way and you could slouch forward and you look like you're listening or you're intrigued. But if you do it in another way, then you look like you're condescending. Like there's nuances of nonverbals. Like you just have to be in a relaxed state. Like how would you do, how would you look if you were just kind of chill and and just like shooting the breeze? Like actually literally position your body that way. And then just, you know, kind of, almost meekish. Is that a word? (laughs) Meekly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, say, Hey guys, I heard about this problem and man, it it really hurts me. It pains me that we're struggling like this. Like I'm trying to look for a solution. Like you guys, have you heard about what's going on? And do you think there's something we can do about it? And suddenly you're like, first of all, do they believe there's something that can be done about it? You know, has this gone too far? Are we gone too deep? Are we, you know, like depending on the situation, again, you asked me a really vague question. So I'm just kind of like, I know, I'm, I'm, here. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but in this meek state, you know, this, this physical and tone, you're approaching them with a posture that is engaging. You're not coming to them weak, like, I don't have any answers. I don't know what's going on. You're not doing that. You're just level setting, like, right? We, And that's an important word. And feel is an important word. I feel like, what do you feel like? You know, and for some people who, depending on where they are on the Enneagram, they might say something from a gut, what's your gut telling you? And others will say, what are you thinking? And to know who you're talking to, just that word usage, think, gut, or heart, you know, feel, not heart, but feel, they they feel from heart. And so those three words, all of a sudden give that person you're talking to some permission to speak in a way that feels natural and honest. And now there's some authenticity. Like that would be one way that I would kind of approach a challenge within a team. You did an amazing job answering a vague question. Thank you. Thank you for that. And you know, sometimes you you ask a question, if something in your head and you don't really know why you're asking it, but you're kind of like, and I just brought to mind, like I, I definitely have had bosses who couldn't, admit when they were wrong and couldn't yeah. like, they could never have that conversation. Um, the, the ones I valued the most were those who could admit when they were wrong or ask for help. I used to have a boss who we would finish a you know, a team meeting with everyone. And then he would come into my office and he'd be like, tell me what people really think, you know, cause he knew I would give it to him straight. He walked in once and he goes, am I like Michael Scott here or what is going on? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, and then anyway, so I value that very, very much. So yeah. it's brain so, break time. Oh, oh, go ahead. It's brain break time. No, please. No, please share what you're going to say. Well, your boss, you know, they just said, am I Michael Scott here? You know, being aloof or being, you know, not having self-awareness or emotional intelligence to be able to perceive. Like, I believe that communication isn't saying what you want to say in the way you want to say it, but true communication rather is saying what you want to say in the other, in the way the other person can receive it. Yeah. And so the way you phrase the question sets the tone for everything. Yes. You know, I'm thinking about a, a client or a prospect really that I was talking to um, recently and they said, you know, why am I not where I want to be by now? Mm. Right. And I say, well, that doesn't sound like a real powerful question because it makes you sound like a victim. I said, what if you spin that question to say, what must I be today in order to get what I want tomorrow? In other words, it's not that I'm not where I thought I was going to be because our level of expectations are always thwarted by you know, misalignment oftentimes, but rather seeing and approaching myself from this opportunity of growth that, as I stated before, if life is preparing me for what life is preparing for me, then what is the moment I'm in right now trying to teach me? And then who must I become in order to do the thing I see in my heart to achieve? Because we think we have to do in order to get. And my challenge to that is you need to be in order to receive. And so there's some juxtaposition here about our our focus in leadership is we think we have to do all the things for our team. And so we all of a sudden take on different tasks, different responsibilities. We have to be the authoritarian. We have to know all the answers. And we actually create bottlenecks that just make us more irritable. And we let, we do less delegating, we do less ownership building, and we start 
diminishing the team because of this preconceived idea of what our leadership is supposed to look like versus taking this other approach is who do I need to be for my team? Who do I need to be in order to get our team where we want it to go, where we want it to be? And so now it's like, I need to choose how I show up. I need to set a tone for my team that feels like it's safe and approachable. And what if I delegate more responsibility and let people have more ownership? And so it's a more we versus, you know, this top-down, you know, bureaucratic baloney. Yeah. Like these are those questions that we have to ask ourselves that become suddenly like shifting and more powerful. So, so much good stuff. This I can is so see your deep. brain just like, I don't I know, know where to go from here. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to re-listen to this episode <laughs> so like amazing. 20 times. <laughs> this is awesome. And this is the perfect show for a brain break in the middle. Get us a little uh, back down to silliness. Okay. So we always ask something in the middle of the show and it usually has to do with the holiday or what's going on. So since today is the first day of fall or autumn, for those of you uh, across the pond, right? Happy autumnal equinox, y'all. I want to know from everybody, what's your favorite thing about this season? And I would challenge Jen to give a different answer than she's given before, but you don't have to. Because <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and I'm going to let her go first because she had the question. I'll give Angus a minute to chew on it. I wonder if I say the same thing every time. I know this year, <laughs> this year I'm most excited about Chiefs football and uh, and entertaining people at my house around Chiefs football and going to Chiefs football games. So I would say Chiefs football. Okay. <laughs> and chill. Is that what I usually say? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but that's okay. I mean, hey, you are who you are. I don't want you to be anybody else. I love Chiefs, man. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. Angus, what, what about you? Well, gosh, I feel like I suddenly have to follow a theme here and say Green Bay Packers, go pack, you go. You go. But I will say, on Sunday. that's what I was thinking was, and and I don't know if this is because of the pandemic, so I want to be open to say that it might be influenced by that, but just seeing people together again and the crowds and the joy and the excitement, there's something about that that feeds my soul that that feels somewhat normal again on some level. Yeah. And yeah. so deeper than it just being fall, it's like the fall brings this sport you know, out and about so we can do our fantasy football and all the other stuff that we love. And I was struggling as, as you're just saying, like, what is it? Cause I'm not really into pumpkin spice, anything, you know, my wife fall is her favorite time of the year. She loves the change of season. I will say in Nashville, Tennessee, I appreciate the decrease in humidity and heat. So you can be outside a little bit more. I love that. You just can't swim as much. The pool started getting colder. So I'm like, I really can't make sense of it all. But it's a time where we psychologically reset to connect with people again. There's this weird thing. We all go back to school. You know, the kids right. go back to school. People in business have come off summer seasons. And now they get back into focus for Q3, Q4. There's a coming together, and I think that's part of it. So I'll just say Green Bay Packers coming together. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I'm with you. And in fact, I almost went to preseason football games just because I was so excited we could actually be back there again. Because in <laughs> California, we couldn't even be in our stadiums at all, like not even at limited capacity. So we had no season last year. And a year that I was literally a 49er. <laughs> I've mentioned that before on the show. I was, I, I was a little bitter about not being able to be at my team's games when I was a 49er. So I am elated to be back at Levi Stadium on Sunday night to watch the 49ers beat the Packers. <laughs> I had to say it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> when's, air? when's the show going to air? Uh, it might publish before. They might not publish until Monday, but it depends so, how quickly I can get it to my public. My I'm the guest, so I can't say anything negative. However, if the Packers <laughs> yes, win, just make sure you let Megan know about it. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. I love this. It's a prediction episode. This is wonderful. 
That's fair. Yeah. Okay. So for me, that, yes. And as a, a meeting and event professional, um, that's my jam. It's conference season and they're actually happening again, which is really exciting because as you could probably figure, the industry was devastated and really the only businesses that thrived were those that had that technology online that could um, execute events online. And so I'm speaking on Friday at a live and in-person I actually get to be there with people and look at their eyeballs. And um, I am so pumped um, to it. It's a, it was supposed to be March of 20. So that last weekend, the last week in March. So this is a year and a half in the making wow. and I'm really excited for that. Awesome. So yeah, that is All right. amazing. I have my outfit, my, my dress is hung like in a special place, like five days before. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm so ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I love that. Jen, Jen, let's kick off the second half. Okay. Let's see. So getting back into our topic of, you know, asking questions, are there certain types of questions that you feel are important to like, avoid and why should we steer clear of them? So uh, it's not specifically, I mean, there are some questions and I'm just, my brain is racing for what ones specifically to avoid, but I would say it more from a spirit of the question. Mm-hmm. Any yeah, question sure. that sounds like it's implied that it's their fault. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Did you mean to do that? That's a shit question. <laughs> yeah. Because it immediately wow. puts people on a defensive, right? Mm-hmm. Versus this is the way it made me feel. Is that what you intended? Yeah. Like that would be like a HR or, you know, you know, some of the colleague, you could have this conversation is suddenly it it takes the edge off because you're like, oh my gosh, I totally didn't mean to make you feel that way. I'm so sorry. That's not what I meant at all. Right. You know, we, we were, I was just talking with someone earlier today and somebody said, if somebody said something offensive, then the response that she said, you know, one of the best things to say, and she was saying specifically in terms of gender, like if a guy says something that is kind of obtuse to, or just disconnected from respecting, you know, women, her response was interesting that you say that. And that's it. You just, you just be quiet because everybody in the room immediately knows, like identifies like that person says something that was out of line and it gives a moment for the person who said it to recognize, Ooh, let me replay that in my head. That didn't come out the way I thought it was going to come out, or I didn't mean it to land the way that it did. Or I just said something really stupid. Like there's different techniques that you can use in communication that, again, the wrong question puts blame or victimhood on someone else. The wrong question always puts something off on someone else versus asking a question that puts something on me. Yeah. When you said this, I felt that, mm-hmm. you know, then, then now all of a sudden it's like we're having a question about an emotional human quotient. If we get to the place where now we tit and tat and say, you know, well, the numbers say this and the numbers say that, well, then you've got something factual. That's cool, whatever. But when you get accusational, you're always going down the wrong path. Why did finance think they should do this? Blame. Yeah. Uh. Versus let's go talk to finance and let's go see their perspective on this. What, what were their goals? There's likely some stuff here we don't know. There's likely some stuff that could have been really, you know, circumstantial. And we weren't in the room, like always given that benefit of the doubt to where we're not yeah. casting blame and accusation in the tone of our, our question. Yeah, I love that works in, in any relationship back to relationships. Of, I've noticed specifically my boyfriend and I talk like that, like we are like, hey, when this happened, it made me feel this way. I don't say you made me feel this way. I say mm-hmm. when this happened, it made me feel this way because it's kind of like trying to, it's with the goal of solving the problem, not right fighting, not being right, but just letting you know, Hey, this is the thing that bothered me. How can we get over this and avoid it happening in the future? Like just be objective. It's objective. And I think that if you take that kind of mindset into business, man, it can be so much more productive than a fight. (laughs) So here's something we don't understand about ourselves is we, we like to think like we're really intelligent creatures that we are in control of ourselves at all times. And the truth of the matter is we're emotional, impulsive creatures. <laughs> we are spontaneously ricocheting off of filters and stories we've built for ourselves and how we see the world. Right. 
And you could say something to me, and maybe if it's in a certain tone or uses a certain word, triggers something that my sixth grade teacher did to me. And now I carry all of this explosion towards you that has absolutely nothing to do with the situation or you. And so when we're in these colleague conversations and in business, this is the kind of grace we forget about. Yeah. And so we right. go in and we try to attack a scenario, not understanding that the scenario is put in a context that we don't have privy to. So therefore, the questions we ask are all about the scenario rather than just take a pause, recognize this scenario and say, hey, when this happened, like, where was your mind at? Like, what were you experiencing? Yeah. Because I know you, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Like, man, that looked really painful or that looked really hurtful or you, you looked like you were really having some stress around that situation. Like, if, if it's okay, like, I'm really open to hear what you're processing right now. Like, oh my gosh, you just took that, like, DEFCON, which one's the highest, five or one? I always forget. I think it's one. One's the bad one. One's the bad one. So you just took it from (laughs) one down to like four, right? You just, you decreased the level of toxic emotion that's involved or or energy. And now we get to communicate as humans. Again, don't say what you want to say in the way you want to say it. Say it what you want to say in a way the person can receive it. I feel like it's the same way with critique. Like when I am reviewing websites or giving, you know, auditing things for clients. If this goes back to like volunteer days with my sorority too, as an alumna, like giving giving something positive. I like how you did this. What if maybe you looked at it from this way? And that mm-hmm. always is going to be better received than do it this way. <laughs> you know, perfect. like perfect. So yeah, yep. yeah. I love what if. I love what if so much. That's such a great question. It just opens up so many doors. I was just going to say, <laughs> what, what if is, is an empowerment question? Yeah. Because what it does is it gives the listener the, or the person that you're asking, you're giving them or offering them a place of power. And some people don't know how to contend with that, whether because of a low self-worth, not feeling safe, not being a place of power, and they feel weak or small, they won't be able to answer that question. Well, what if you do this? they may go to a place of retreat. And so if you notice that, then you want to come up with a follow-up question. Like, what does everyone else think? What if you did this? And like, um, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's a really good idea. And it's like this dismissive, like kind of throwaway, whatever. And you're like, mm, I don't think you really like that. And say, what's your what if? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and suddenly, I'm sorry, what? Well, mm. if you were to do it differently, what if you did it differently? What's your what if? Because this is this thing where if we're now collaborating on a solution, we feel like we have ownership of the solution. Suddenly the power is restored. And this is super amazing within teams. And this is what most people don't understand. This whole thing where people are quitting their jobs across the board, we're in this time and season of, you know, everybody, what's the the great, what are they calling it? The great, um, not relinquish, the great... You know what I'm Resignation. saying? Resignation. Resignation. See what I was saying before when I was saying you those words aren't coming when you want them to come? <laughs> yeah. So the great resignation is people are quitting. And the, I believe a lot of it is, A, people are discovering the Spice Girls late in life. Tell me what you want, what you really, really want. They're just saying, you know what? This is not what I want, right? Right. And the main reason why is they don't feel valuable. They don't feel heard. They don't feel like they own if that's a place of your business, like that's a pretty miserable, nobody wants to just punch in the clock. Nobody. Right. We want meaning. We want contribution. We may not connect to that right away, but that's the way we are designed as human beings. Go ahead. You want to say something that's I'm done. No, I was just going to say, and I wonder if that's why so many people keep telling me, are you sure you want to go work for someone else? You've been pretty happy for the last eight years working for yourself. Do you really want to put yourself in that position? And I'm like, well, I'm trying to find alignment. I haven't found it yet. But, uh, you know, like, so I think the universe is maybe telling me that I meant to not at this point go to work for someone else again. But there can be happiness there. You know, I think that if you can find alignment and, and, you know, here's the thing is there's no shame in that game. Like some people like a tree like this, like relationships, there are some relationships for reasons, some for seasons and some for life. right? Work can be the same way. You know, I worked for someone for a very long time and I got often, I got frustrated 
with where I was at. And so now that I'm doing my own thing, it's pretty legit. But I got to tell you, I also miss having my team. I did a post about that a few weeks ago. So my endeavor is to build my business big enough to where I can get my own team. Like I'm going to build my own team so that I can have that human quotient, but on my terms. What do you want? I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Enough about me. Let's talk more about you. All right. So this is a little bit off the questions thing, but I would love to know from you that it's funny too, because as you said, now that you're on your own, what's the toughest lesson that you've learned as an entrepreneur? Nobody tells you this, but all of your baggage will arise when you go on your own. Money stories, fears, failures, like all of them are areas that your subconscious will try to engage to help you play small. And you step out to do something and you will be reminded of other areas of your past to keep you in your box. And entrepreneurship requires you to grow. And the reason why some people choke on entrepreneurship is because, again, coming back to where we started with all this is your business is a product of your sense of self. And so you have to be mindful that if I am not investing in myself through, and and hear me out. I'm not talking about learning. Like we're all going to conferences. We're watching all the videos. We're reading all the things. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about learning. I'm talking about growing, getting a coach, getting a mentor, getting um, a psychiatrist, getting a therapist, getting a counselor. Like doing the things that grow you on the inside is what's going to help you experience success on the outside. And so in this moment, when you're in this state of entrepreneurship, you are going against the grain of what our current culture has established. And so if you didn't grow up in an entrepreneurial family, it can feel kind of wonky. Like, oh, I'm supposed to go work for somebody. I'm supposed to do such or such. There are some people who are wired for that and they love it and they excel. I have no qualms if somebody wants to take a job. There is no shame in that game, like I said before. I just know that for me personally, I never want to work for anyone else again. I have too big of a mission in my belly. Like I know that what I'm doing is bigger than me, right? And I have that conviction. I didn't always have that. I didn't have that courage. I didn't have that audacity. But it became about because I started doing the work on me. And when I started investing in me, I, I, I've invested over a hundred grand on coaching. I kid you not. If you told me I was going to do that, I'm like, what the hell are you doing, Nelson? And yet, <laughs> my life has been an absolute reflection of that investment because this is the only portfolio that has gains guaranteed. The more I invest in me, I am my portfolio for my retirement. I'm my portfolio for my production. I'm my portfolio for profit. The more I invest in me, the more my portfolio continues to accelerate at at rapid pace. And so it's therefore incumbent on me to grow as a business leader, a business owner, an entrepreneur. I have to grow because if I stop growing, so does the business. And once I get to the business up to a certain state, a certain level, I'm pretty okay with stopping growing, but I'm still going to grow in other areas. Right. Like I you don't fa- want you found your build- mission. Not yep. everyone finds their mission as an entrepreneur. I know plenty of people want to work for themselves, but they haven't found that that sweet spot that you've found for yourself. And yeah. it's such an amazing one too. I think that the fact that you're coaching men specifically and the, just the way everything you've said throughout the show could help any human, right? Doesn't have to be a man or a woman, but you found that like that's your lane. Like that your mission is to is to help men evolve and and become better people, right? Yeah. In business and in life. Yeah. And here's what I know. In this season, men don't necessarily know where they stand. Our dads were not equipped with the tools to teach us. Culture has shifted faster than we've learned. So we need to evolve. And I know that when I make an impact in a man, I transform the way he shows up for his partner. I transform the way he shows up for his kids. I transform the way he shows up for his business or his colleagues and his team. And so I know that my work has legacy and it is way and my own limiting beliefs so that I can meet the needs of the people I feel called to meet. So that's, you know, it sounds really ooh and ah and stuff like that's cool. Like that's my thing. What's your thing? Like our mission isn't about doing a certain thing. Mine has a very obvious tangible thing, but I would tell you this, your mission 
is more about the emotions that you connect to than it is about a purpose that you achieve. If you went back through your life and said, like, there's two emotions that whenever I sense these kinds of emotions, man, it just made me come alive. I loved feeling like I belonged. I loved joy. I loved, you know, fill in the blank. There are some seasons in your life where you're like, dang, I love that. That's the best. And when you like lean into that emotion and you bring that into your workplace, you bring that into your service, you bring that in things you do, your customer then responds and borrows that same level of emotion. And when that becomes a contagion, you get fired up even more. Right. Like, and suddenly when they get fired up, you get fired up. And now your work becomes this engine because your purpose is a daily, daily exercise. And so when you get up in the morning, the question you ask yourself is, how can I reproduce these emotions through what I do for the people I serve? And how do I get them to feel and possess those same emotions? And if you can show up with that kind of purpose every day, the rest is a piece of cake. That's amazing. You're making me think back on some things I could have done better <laughs> and, uh, and how to move forward. So amazing. Thank you so much. Jen has just a little couple of questions for you to wrap it up, even though I don't want to, but we're, you know, we we could talk for hours. I should say we should, we could listen to you <laughs> for hours. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. All right. So tell me about a book that has inspired you. And, um, and then also we'd love for everyone to know how the, how they can get a hold of you, how they can reach you on social or on the web or however you prefer. Well, the first thing I'll say is I actually have something for your audience. The seven most important questions to change your life. Oh, that's awesome. You want the right questions. I will show you the right questions. (laughs) I love it. Right? And you can go to manhoodmatrix.co, C-O, manhoodmatrix.co. And you can get those seven questions. My gift to you, they will, it's the kind of things that once you see your answers, you cannot unsee them. The whole purpose is to bring self-awareness into your leadership of your life and your business. Right? Answer to your question. The second piece Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson is by far and away the best book I've read in the last two to three years. Have you guys read this book? No, no. Every marketer needs to know this book. Like people look at Russell Brunson and they have different opinions of him. Like he's one of those internet, you know, whatevers. And I would tell you that the premise of what he does works because it works. And this book, um, and he's done a series of books. There's uh, uh, .com Secrets, there's Expert Secrets, there's... uh, traffic secrets, blah, blah, blah. They all have just incredible things. But I'll give you just one little example. Like he talks about meeting your customers where they're at, right? You've all heard like blue ocean, red ocean, red ocean's busy and sharks and everybody's there. We want to find the blue ocean, which I have some different opinions of that. It depends on what you're doing, which is, you know, can look a little different. But he says, having a place of persuasion looks like this. Five different things that you can do for your customers to make them feel like you're for me. Justify their failures, allay them of their fears, throw rocks at their enemies, confirm their suspicions, and encourage their dreams. Messaging through your marketing in one of those five ways helps people identify with you. And we all know that the best of marketing will attract the ones we want and repel the ones we don't. And so Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson, the underground playbook to find your message, build your tribe and change the world. That book will rock your world. Awesome. <laughs> good to know. That's a really good to know. I'm always happy to get more wonderful books in my collection. Man, if, I, if I had an affiliate link, I'd be slipping that to you. Right <laughs> I think I sold that really? book good. <laughs> <laughs> so why, why don't you tell everyone how they can reach you, Angus? Come and find me at angusnelson.com or you want to get some more tidbits of these drops of knowledge, go to Instagram. You can find me at Angus Nelson. You can find me on all the socials, but Instagram is the place that you're going to find like a consistent stream of me doing the little dropping gems. Perfect. We call them knowledge bombs here on my the My knowledge show. bombs. Yeah. <laughs> you betcha, dear hey. Oh my God. There goes my Wisconsin accent. Don't you know. Go, cat, go. You betcha. <laughs> All right. Well, I wish your team the best of luck on Sunday. Um, your fingers are crossed. I think your toes are crossed. It doesn't play well on audio, but I was also shaking my head. <laughs> All the nonverbals. <laughs> I appreciate you so much, Angus. Thank you for being with us. I know you're a busy dude and um, can't wait for our listeners to get access to this because it's uh, incredible. 
Thank awesome. You. It's my pleasure. Good. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Of course. And Miss Jen Cole, thanks again for your awesome co-hostness with the mostness. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like I'm taking to church every single time we do this. Seriously. Oh my goodness. It's like the best part of the week or the month. We're, we're on a really good run right now. Of like, <laughs> yeah, we are. So we got to keep this momentum going because season five is like amazing yeah. so far. So I'm, I'm, I'm really sure. excited about that so me too all right friends this has been episode 90 of the making a marketer podcast and we will catch you next time